You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's a new year. It's the same season, but I'm not sure if it's a new season of The Bannerman podcast. Maybe it will be. How are you tonight, Vardy? I'm good, man. Happy New Year. Nice to see you again. Happy New Year. Good to be back. Two-month yeah. gap. It was nice. <laughs> no, not two months. It was oh, one full. Well, yeah. All right, and fine. Like, uh, I think it was November 20th? uh you're gonna make me check now but i think why that's, not I we got time it's not like there's anything to talk about like <laughs> in the december for the yeah. kings it's just been just been a weird weird month uh we kept again trying to find the time to record but things that kept popping up unfortunately yeah did you have a nice holiday i did have a nice holiday actually i left the house wild man very, very exciting i went to see spider-man oh, is, don't tell me i just tell you it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful film yeah i i i keep wanting to and then the time keeps the opportunities keep slipping me by and so before i know it it's going to be on disney plus and i'm just going to be really lazy and watch it at home i just know it that's fine there's nothing wrong with that no shame in it anymore no it's totally normal <laughs> uh yeah i got to, uh i got to catch up and, and watch like shang chi so at least i saw that movie now and i'm keeping yeah, up I, with things i haven't seen that one or the eternals just went straight to spider-man <laughs> yeah i can't blame you but uh eternals will be on soon and you did watch the hawkeye series i know mm-hmm. that that was tremendous i really enjoyed that right now they're in like a can't miss kind of groove and it's uh, amazing. I don't. I'm, sorry to digress to anyone, by the way, who no, we are not who doesn't sorry. enjoy this talk. <laughs> I am not, okay, sorry. not sorry. We used to do this regularly, and uh, we're going to do it one, one time in 2022 and get it out of the way. How about that? <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I just continue to be in awe of Marvel and everything they do and how impossible everything they do is. And yet here we are. Just the fact that, I mean, at this point, I don't think this is a spoiler, but just the fact that you could do a Spider-Man movie multiverse movie, the fact that they did it and they did it so well. First of all, just thinking about just sitting around and being like, we should do this. That already is very impressive. And then the execution is impressive. And yeah, yeah, they're just they got the Midas touch right now. Yeah, I think it's. It's it's always interesting when you sit there and you think back to like how it all started with Iron Man and where they've come to now where they're just getting so much bolder with all the things that they're trying, all the universe blending and uh it's 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 a lot like hockey, I think. When you get on a hot streak, everything just slows down, you know exactly what to do, you can't miss, every pass is tape to tape, every shot goes in. Hockey's easy. Hockey's easy when you're playing like that. And right now, I don't know. Marvel's like 80s, 80s Islanders right now. <laughs> 80s Islanders, 80s Oilers. Take your pick. Just can't can't lose. They're on like a 52-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. That's how I would yep. compare it. It's yep. pretty good. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so that was a nice treat. That was nice. That was, was nice. raining violently, but that's fine. 
droughts, whatnot in California. Apparently, we need this seven straight days of rain that we got. So. Yeah. And maybe I'll make it up to the mountains once this year. That'd be nice. I miss snowboarding. That's the mountains are outdoor, right? So you would be leaving the house too. I I would be leaving the house, but I, I I have a you know, at a certain level of safety I think is implied with uh, outdoor stuff and the amount of <laughs> vaccinations and COVID antibodies and God knows what else is floating around in me at this point. Perfect segue to Kings hockey. Perfect. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Probably the worst segue we've ever had, but hey, <laughs> we're a little rusty here. Um, that December schedule that we talked about and tweeted about and cried about at some point, not too shabby for the LA Kings. Of course, some things went in their favor. A couple of teams ravaged with COVID that, that happened to pop up on the Kings schedule, but hey, you could only play who's in front of you. That's right. And that's what the Kings did in December. That's right. Hey, and and we're nothing if not consistent, and our equal per sixty remains league leading. Uh, I I think I predicted their schedule was going to be five eight and one. I forget how many games it was, and I think uh, what was it? The Oilers they didn't get to play against, and uh, one other well, one other game. Yeah, one time they didn't get to play against the Oilers. Yeah, the 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 two games I think that were rescheduled that are going to be rescheduled. One was against the Oilers and the other one was Arizona. I'm forgetting now who it was against. It was Arizona. Arizona. Okay. So and and the Oilers are not doing great right now. And Arizona is Arizona. We can always lose a game to Arizona as a possibility. But all in all, I think they ended with a what was it? Six, four, and one. Now I got to look back and see, but it was definitely over five hundred by just just a smidge in December. Yeah, and they they won seven. I know that. I, I can't remember how many they lost, but I'll take a look right now. I'll remind but, myself. But teams they beat. I mean, Edmonton five to one. Dallas yes. four nothing. Yes. Minnesota two to one. Florida four to one. Carolina five to one. Like those are. Big scores, not just, you know, some of those are really big scores. Obviously, like I said, some of those teams were in bad shape, <clears throat> but they beat Washington three to two. Sorry, they lost to, they lost to Carolina five to one. So, yeah, they beat Florida four one, lost to Carolina five one the next day. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. And, then, and they had three games postponed, actually. Right. The Golden Knights, Coyotes, yeah. and the Oilers games were postponed. And after coming back from the postponement week or whatever it was, Vegas kind of handed them their ass a little bit, but <laughs> they come back and they beat Vancouver, who were on a seven-game winning streak. Right. Playing all kinds of good hockey. They won the Bruce, there it is. Yeah, Bruce, there it is. The worst thing to ever happen to hockey <laughs> is that chant. So and bad. They, and now that hashtag, I guess. So uh, bad. And then they to start January, they kick the shit out of the Flyers. So it's it's looking pretty good and i think that the main reason to me my optimism has kind of switched because i think a week ago and <clears throat> i know that's a short turnaround for me but a week ago the edmonton oilers were not the tire fire they are at this moment <laughs> no and that opens things up quite a bit for the kings in my opinion because now you could look up in the standings and you could actually target 
in my opinion, they should be targeting Anaheim. They should be yeah. that that should be their new target because the Oilers are in are in big trouble. They have, you know, their goaltending issues have been bandied about forever. Everyone knows that a Mike Smith and Mike Koskin and Miko Koskin in combination is not gonna cut it. And it's it's shown up every time, almost every time they've played on this losing streak. Mike Smith, Swiss cheese and his two two starts, three starts. Uh, Koskinen in a game that was a very winnable game for the Oilers. I forget who they were playing, but it was it was their last game with McDavid before he got the COVID. And right out of the gate, Koskinen coughs one up, and they're down one nothing on a horrible miscue. Mm-hmm. So I think it's funny. It's they are who they've always been. A two-line team that could score at will, but has no goaltending and their defense is suspect. Right. And and Toronto really exposed their defense tonight again. And without McDavid, yeah. you might as well pack it in. And it looks like that's pretty much what they did. So yeah. So now we got we got a little bit of breathing room here. Now when someone says the Kings can make the playoffs, I don't just say yeah and then turn around and laugh at them. <laughs> now I'm like you know, I let it marinate for a second because, let's be honest, it's going to be the top three in the Pacific most likely. Colorado is going to figure it out. Minnesota is Colorado is out. figuring. Colorado, right? We we talked. I mean, come on. They played twenty nine games. Like... <laughs> they played yeah. twenty nine games. For comparison's sake, Anaheim's played thirty six. Their points percentage, I think, is also tops in the league. I'm not sure. But they're winning at like a 69% clip. Not tops mm-hmm. in the league, sorry. Tops in that division, for sure. Um, yeah, and tops in the West. So Minnesota's been sliding. They've lost, I think, eight of their last seven. And <clears throat> it all started after they sprayed water on Brendan Lemieux. They lost five straight after that. <laughs> they won one and then they've now they've lost two so they're sliding too but they're going to figure it out winnipeg is kind of turning it up so it looks like the central is going to be five teams so you got to get in the top three in the pacific and to get into the top three you got to leapfrog edmonton which is a great time to do so because they are in a downward spiral and you gotta you gotta target anaheim who has been playing punching above their weight now you know without zegris and gets in the lineup they've been losing some games they beat the flyers but the flyers had nobody mm-hmm. so it's a good time to attack anaheim and anaheim's upcoming schedule ain't pretty yeah and if you if you kind of look back also at their at the teams that they've beat they're beating the teams that you thought they would beat they're not exactly like you know they're losing to vegas they're losing to the capitals they're losing to carolina like they're losing to the same teams that the kings have lost too but the Kings, for example, still have not played Seattle. We talked about this several, like I think at the beginning of the of the year, that somehow Seattle and the Kings were not going to play until later this month. Anaheim's, I think, beaten them already a couple times. So Anaheim's beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. So if if the Kings can actually do that, and coming off of a good uh, end result from a, the toughest portion of their schedule probably here in December – all of a sudden things can change all of a sudden things can things can really get interesting down the stretch here and uh certainly leading into like trade deadline and things like that it's so fluid 
it's impressive to say the least that they're still not only in spitting distance, but in it, I think, to be top three in the division. It really just depends on, I think, what happens with Anaheim and, and Edmonton. And obviously, it depends on the Kings winning the games that they're supposed to win. Yeah, um, I was looking at Anaheim's schedule. Some teams they have just coming up right here. The Rangers, the Penguins, the Wild, the Avalanche, the Lightning, the Bruins, the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Um, Detroit a couple of times. And, you know, the Kings schedule isn't very good either in January. Because our next game is, by the time you're listening, tonight against Nashville. Mm-hmm. And Nashville is now a house on fire. They figured it out. They're playing well. Then the Kings have the Rangers, and they have Pittsburgh twice, Tampa, Colorado. The Islanders it, are struggling, but... It does get better down the stretch, though. I think if you if you look farther out, like there's, there's more winnable games. I think I saw somewhere that by now, um, the Kings had something like the sixth most difficult schedule yeah. up to this point in the season based on their opponents being in playoff position and and things like that. So it's all going to even out in time. The question is, where are they going to be when that time comes? And where are they going to be at certain, certain checkpoints in the season? Um, I think the, the trade deadline and what was supposed to be the Olympic break. And now obviously that's not happening. Um, But I think those, those are interesting markers and, and the trade deadline, especially in my mind, is is an interesting one because all season long, and this continues to be a problem for the team, they they have too many players. They have kind of a rotating cast of characters for for you know two of their lines. And injuries, COVID, et cetera, have have definitely um exposed should we say, or at least uh, force them to utilize that organizational depth. But I think at some point, depending on where they are mid-February, right? I think that's when the deadline is or end of February. Mm. You have to consider, do you move some of these guys? Do you move a couple pieces for something additional to help you down that stretch run? My gut instinct answer is no that they just keep everything exactly the same this is not a this is not a deep run team i don't care i know i'm not saying they are i know you're not saying they are you're you're posing a question that's a legitimate question because that's what happens at the deadline right if you're gonna be if you think you're gonna make the playoffs you're probably gonna have to add a rental player right to make and that's usually the case rarely do you swing a trade at the deadline where you're picking up guys on multi-year deals or with years left on their contract. So, mm-hmm. and what are you going to give up for that? Right. You're going to have to give you give up draft picks or prospects because you do not want to mess with whoever is in your lineup because that's the team that got you there. So on and so forth. So I would say, no, I would even listen to selling. I know that. I know that it's, it's not, you know, it's not there. I'm not saying you, you should be opposed to that because again, you got, you have guys like, Athanasiu, who's been in and out of the lineup. Now Ferk is finally apparently going to get his first NHL game in like a full yeah. calendar year. Velarde is still wasting away in the AHL. God knows what their plan is with him anymore. I mean, that's got, what I'm saying. 
like uh, someone asked me the other day or uh, in conversation and and i brought up that with the way he's been, and i'm gonna we're gonna get attacked for this birdie so brace for it with the way he's been playing with the needs i see around the nhl i would really listen to offers for jonathan quick right now oh buddy I know. I'm sorry. Everyone who's yelling, screaming, throwing things at me, take my apology now and listen to my reasoning right after. John the Quick is 35. He's great. I have no... This has been his finest season since the last time the Kings made the playoffs, most likely. Um, Without John the Quick, I don't think we're in the conversation of the playoffs. Right now, he's... I think his uh, expected saves above or sorry, saves above expected is top four or five in the NHL right now. He's one of the top goalies statistically in the league. If you look at advanced stats right now, how many more years like this does he have in him? How many more years can he do this for your franchise? If you're going to tell me five more, and if someone could guarantee me five more, I maybe wouldn't be saying this right now, but Another factor for me in this is that Cal Peterson is 27 years old and he has played a whopping 65 NHL games at 27 years old. You want to venture a guess as to how many Jonathan Quick had at 27, Vardy? 160, something like that. Close to 300. And he also had a Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's true. But my point is this, John, you know, you, I believe in Cal Peterson. It sounded like the franchise believed in Cal Peterson before the season. Um, you should make a button, you know, like wear it on your shirt. Yeah, I believe in Cal Peterson. Yeah. Um, and if he is going to, and I think we've talked about this before, but if he's going to be the guy, you have to let him be the guy. And this season, I think he he was taken out of the crease far too many times. Yes, he had bad games. But off the top of my head, I think he has, he's had 11 starts. I would say maybe two of them were truly poor. And everything else, that, like we mentioned in previous episodes, was a combination of things that led to those games for him. If you're going to hang on to Jonathan Quick, he has one more year after this, I believe, mm-hmm. on his contract. That, and, and the way he's played this year, I think you're going to have to go into camp with him being the number one goalie. Now you're staring at Cal Peterson at 28 years old, your backup goalie. And, hey, look, maybe his ceiling is the backup. But I think he's, he's shown enough flashes where I would have liked to see him, seen him get a longer leash this year than he had. Mm-hmm. I think he had you know a loss and Quick was right back in the crease. I think McClellan was far, was, is far more lenient with Jonathan Quick than Cal Peterson for right you know, reasons – that, those are his reasons. I don't know. But tell me that Quick's value will ever be higher than it is right now. No, but it's also tell – me, tell me that Quick's value to this franchise is going to be any higher than it is right now. No. I think those two things go hand <laughs> in hand. But that's what I'm saying. I think it all depends on what your motivation is for the rest of the, rest of the season. Also, what's Have, your motivation with this group for the next five years? Well, that's that's a – that's a much bigger question. Then you're talking kind of along the lines of what Vegas ended up doing, which was, you know, Flurry wins a Vesna and you walk away from it because you've got Laner under contract and that's that's your guy. 
that's, I'm not saying Quick's going to win the Vesna, but it's a similar situation in my mind where you have a contract commitment, a longer term contract commitment to a younger goaltender who you believe is good enough to be a starting goaltender. And yet your veteran backup is putting up a statistically far significant season. And at the same time, rightly or wrongly, he's the guy getting you the wins. Plus now you have Cal coming back from COVID and I'm not really sure what shape he's in. Sure. So I think... I guess here's what the question is. Is making the playoffs this season Mm -hmm. so important to this franchise that they're willing to ride quick for the rest of this postseason or rest of the season into the postseason and willing to trade future assets to bring in players to make a push to kind of I would link back to our original conversation I would say in a um in a you know like a 5000 yard far away look at things probably not but when you are looking at as a microcosm of what Blake and and his brain trust have tried to build and the lack of success that has unfortunately come with that over the last few seasons I think they 100% commit to the idea of making the playoffs as go as hard as they can to that if for no other reason than to justify everything they have done to this point and I think similarly that's why they finally waited until the very last moment to LTIR uh, Walker and Edler to get the maximum possible cap relief from them as well not because they're looking to save dollars they're looking to i think bring potentially someone in and i i think when you look at it from that standpoint they're realistically going to ride this out now things may change in the off season maybe maybe that's the time you think about it because again he's on the last year of his contract he's having a great season this year it, it really depends but i think through this season there's no way they're moving quick. There's just realistically no way. But I think things can change in the off season. I don't think they'll. I don't think they're moving quick. I just think if I they was, should. <laughs> I would live. You gotta. Here's the thing. Not even they should. You have to be open to the idea, mm. because another thing is what you know. What's the hypothetical return? I don't think the Kings need any more second round picks. Yeah. And whatnot. It better be you know a first round pick or a highly touted prospect coming back from a desperate team. I could think mm-hmm. of two that need goaltending very badly. And one of which one, we spoke of. One of which we spoke of. And to me, the other one is Colorado. I don't, I think Colorado, if they're, if Colorado wants to win the Stanley cup, which clearly they have, they're yeah. capable of, I think they're one truly solid goalie away from being the absolute favorites to do so. Darcy Kemper has been fine. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, they're still allowing three goals to Chicago. They're still mm-hmm. allowing, and that's a team defense thing. I get it. All that is going, but I think they need a, a playoff goalie. And I think mm-hmm. if, I think Chicago is going to shop quick. Or sorry, Chicago's going to shop flurry. I think they are, but they're in a completely different situation yeah. than the yeah. Kings are. They're truly just now probably starting a rebuild, or you know, thinking along those lines. So, I don't know. I, yeah. it's just. I think you have to listen to it. It's got to be a good return for me to even entertain the thought. But to me, this team right now, even if they make the playoffs, it's just – it's tough sledding, man. It's it's like 
you're to, it's making the playoffs just to say you made the playoffs. That's the kind of the situation it's probably going to be with the West this year. And the way the Kings are built right now, they just don't have the horses, I think, to, to truly make an impact in the postseason, if, even if they make it. Not to be a downer. I hope no, I, no, no, you know, but... no. You're being very realistic because, I mean, if, if our not predicted but possible scenario of them making it as third in the in the division comes to pass, then you're talking about them playing either Calgary or Vegas in the first round. Right. And Vegas, not the Vegas you see that beat the Kings 6-3. Yeah, the Vegas that beat the Kings 6-3 plus Jack Eichel. <laughs> plus Mark Stone, who wasn't in the lineup right. for that game. Right, right. I think, is Pacioretty out for the season? Pacioretty's, I... I think... Out long he's out term. Long I don't, term. Yeah, it's it's a wrist. He had wrist surgery, so he's out for yeah. quite some time. But would it surprise you if all of a sudden playoff time? He's oh god, no, 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 no. But either way, those are not teams that I enjoy the prospect of playing in the playoffs. Yeah, not with this roster. Right. I should say. I think any any win that they get against teams like that, going full on into playoff mode, is going to be a fair amount of luck. And a fair amount of like absolute perfection in play, which I'm yet to see. I'm yet to see them string together like three, four, five games where I'm like they played near perfect game execution. You know that that's the kind of thing that I think if I were to see, it would make me a little more excited about the prospect of them maybe doing something in the playoffs. Yeah, but I agree with you, man. That the other teams ahead of them are are just so much deeper and have had more recent runs. You know, this group, the guys who have been there before with this group are are older now. They should be passing the torch realistically to younger guys. So... Yeah, and they've been invisible mm-hmm. for long stretches here. You know, Kopi, you know, we're going to build a statue, but outside of that outburst in the beginning of the season, he's been pretty pedestrian. Mm-hmm. Offensively speaking, this team is being carried by Adrian Kempe and our fourth line offensively. <laughs> um, Dowdy's doing his part. Dowdy's doing his part. We're getting no other offensive contributions from the blue line whatsoever. Um, Correct. So that, you know, and that's where all the Jacob Chikrin conversations probably catch fire and everyone talks about how that should be the Kings. Yeah. Like, and he, look, if he's available, which is the million-dollar question, and more and more, there's been reports that he might be now reading around the league. There's just more conversation about the possibility of Chikrin being traded. You know, is that enough? Is that, for for this season, is that enough for you to get excited about playing the Vegases and the Calgarys? I mean... And, and don't discount, look, Edmonton's in a shithole right now, but don't discount them going on a run in like Mar- March and just being in there too. So, yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I guess I'm, I'm thinking back to like the first time that this, that the Stanley Cup core group started making the playoffs, right? Like you think back to the, to the season where Kopi's ankle was broken, going right. into you know playing was- Santa. Right. That was probably the first season where they felt like they could make some noise. Because right. the year prior, they lost to Vancouver in six. Right. Um, 
it was they played a great series against Vancouver in 2010, but it was just too young. Yeah. And learning, you know, got to learn to lose before you win. And and that's what I'm saying. Like, is this the learn to lose before you no, win scenario? No, because the no because the guys that you're projecting that are going to make you a winning team aren't even in the lineup. That's true. That's very true. So who knows when those, Byfield's going to play? Who, who knows, knows when? Right. I have a hard time believing this team is making any noise without Byfield being a mainstay in the lineup. Yeah. And, and not just because he's, the... he's that great, but because the the, the trajectory of the team yeah. has to include him in a top six role. Yeah. Right? So I mean, right now, Kaliev's our fourth-line winger, right? Like, I, I can't imagine that's the that's where they pictured him being when they start doing these things yeah, either, this, you know? This feels like one of those random off years where a team could make the playoffs and then miss it the next year mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and that's all great because we're starved for playoff hockey but you know if i'm taking like you said if i using the eagle eye here i don't know like <laughs> i don't know certainly i'm not saying sell everybody off but i would be open i would be open to a lot of things this trade deadline yeah yeah it's interesting i i i don't think anything is for sure yet of course i i appreciate that they've created the cap space that they've i i took that as a bit of a signal to the team that like if you do your part we'll do our part kind of thing yeah which i think goes a long way and i think it's encouraging to see more consistent contributions this year from kempi i follow was already on that track and i think he's kept that up I think it's encouraging to see Dowdy, you know, coming back from his injury, picking up right where he left off. I think Arvidsson's starting to contribute a lot more. He's up to 18 points in 26 games now. Yeah. I've been seeing more consistent offense from Deneau as well. I think the second line has, has it figured out at this point. The first line is still touch and go. I worry as to what's going to happen when Brown gets back. Are they going to try to again insert him into that first line role that he's clearly no longer fit for, but whether it's, whether it's deferring to his veteran standing or whatnot, um, you know, clearly this team does not need Dustin Brown anymore, in my opinion, not, not in the role that they keep trying to put him into. Um, so I, I think there's encouraging signs there and, you know, the fourth line, the fourth line is pretty much like got it figured out. They're they're probably one of the best fourth lines in the league if you're if you're being honest in terms of contributions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and they have a vibe. Like every game, there's a vibe. Every game, there's there's that same level of pressure and harassment. As I as I said, you know. Yeah. And and they're doing it well, man. They're doing it really well. I would have never thought that Arthur Kaliev would be the the winger on that line, but you know he's playing his role. He's doing a lot of things that I think people would uh, would wish that Gabe Velarde would do because that might actually land him into the NHL spot. Like he's not complaining that he's on a line with Lemieux and Lazat. Instead, he's giving bullet passes to to Brendan Lemieux to a set up amazing. Brendan I mean, just the whole thing, the whole setup was just amazing. So there's 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 little bits of encouragement, little bits of of the roster and the play starting to round into form that I don't know, just gives me hope. 
Must be nice. I'm not. No, I'm obviously I'm joking, but it's just. I don't. I don't know. I I just don't think. The way these games have gone, yes, the Kings have been winning more than they've been losing, but the way they've been winning and the, and the players that are kind of pushing them over that finish line. I don't know. I wouldn't be too thrilled with those guys pulling the rope in the playoffs against anybody, quite frankly, not just the beasts of the West, but we'll see. Like you said, we'll see. Um, been a weird season. It's been very, a very, very weird season. 100%. For the Kings, for everybody, really. It's just been starts and stops, winning streaks, losing streaks. It's just... Complete... Can you believe it's 2022 and Quentin Byfield has not played an NHL game yet this season? This season? Yeah, well, it is pretty surprising. I mean, just granted, circumstances are what they are. Injury, COVID, etc. But, I mean, it's crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's 2022 and Quentin Byfield and Gabe Velarde are in the AHL. It's just just odd to me, you know. Different it reasons, is. but <laughs> strange. It is. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um. Jacob Chikrin Vardy. Does he excite mm, you? Okay. Does he excite I mean, you as a fan? enough that i'd be like go after him get him make it happen that kind of thing right let's say are you as enthusiastic about doing what you have to do to get him as you were for jack eichel no i'm sorry that it's just you're talking about in my opinion two very different caliber players that's fair i mean do I make the phone calls? Do I offer up prospect and a pick, that kind of thing? Prospect pick, roster player, maybe. Because he is, I think he's under contract, right? For a few more years at a reasonable amount. Or am I making Probably that up? So. I'm, not, I'm not sure what his contract status is. He hasn't had um, a great season by his standards. No, but Arizona is Arizona. Arizona it's difficult to judge. Trash, yes. And I don't think anyone's ever looked at Jacob Chikrin as like a, you know, a two-way uh, defenseman ever. So his his major contribution is offensive. So right. that's tough to do when the whole rest of the team is not doing well. Right. He's uh, 23 years old. He'll be 24 soon. Last season was a season mm -hmm. where he went. Yeah, he's completely apeshit. 56 games played, 18 goals, 23 assists, 41 points. Which, mm -hmm. good lord. In an 82-game season, those are massive numbers. Yeah, and he's under contract for three more seasons with, with a modified no trade in the last two of those seasons at a very, very palatable $4.6 oh, yeah. uh, nice. per year. That's nice. But this season, minus 29, only sure. seven points in 26 games. Yep. That was a rough year for, for Arizona. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I, I don't share 
the Eichel level excitement either. Uh, but I do understand the need to change up something on the Kings blue line to get some kind of offense from the blue line because that would be a nice spike for the team offensively. And offense is still an issue other than, you know, these random games here and there where they put up six. Mm-hmm. It's still a problem. You know, they're still letting teams hang around because they can't score. <laughs> they dominate periods of the Vancouver game. They dominated the second period. I thought they had to puck the entire time. They just couldn't score. And lo and behold, Vancouver ties the game because they hung around so long and, and the Kings have to win it in a shootout. So let me ask you this question. How much of, because uh, I've, I've seen this discussion a lot, but how much of that lack of scoring do you think is attributable to the back end losing the guys that they thought they were going to have contributing offensively like Walker and Edler um, and transition game perhaps from, from the defense to offense. And how much of it do you think is the previously mentioned lack of production or the inconsistent production, so to speak, from what should be your first line, which, you know, the line that should be driving your offense. And we're saying this within the context of, you know, Kopitar having 29 points in 33 games, but yeah, he came out strong out the gate and it's been average since then, truthfully. Yeah. I think it's the easy answer. The cop-out answer is that it's both things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how much of it goes each way, but certainly on the power play, I think our point presence needs help. Mm -hmm. I think Dowdy is good, but I don't, you know, Dowdy's, Really, Dowdy's never been a threat from the point. I've never viewed him as, you know, a guy that, you know, you you set him up on top so he could fire or anything mm-hmm. like that. He, he doesn't have that nose for the net kind of – he's more of a creative player. I think he can rush the ice. I think he makes smart plays on the power play. But he still isn't that guy where, you know, you have to respect his shot or you have yeah. to – on the PK, you have to cheat up to him a little bit because you're so worried that if he fires one, anything can happen. Um, and that, to have a guy like that, I think that opens up the other four guys on the power play. So you, now you could really make some plays down low. So, yeah, and I think the transition game, the breakout game, all that stuff is very important too. Uh, the Kings are a fast team in, up front. I think they have speedy forwards and I still haven't seen a consistent stretch of games where the D is getting the puck to the forwards cleanly on breakouts or at top speed or, you know, making the right plays. I still haven't seen that consistently. So I think it's, it's a combination of all those things. And yeah, your first line, you're playing that many minutes. You, you know, you can't, Brendan Lemieux can't score, you know, clutch goals, important goals. Yeah. You know, Arvidsson's picking it up now and Kempe's had a good year. But if you're if you're playing those minutes, I think you got to have a positive impact offensively on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah. Oh, he does all these things that you can't see on the score sheet. That shit gets old real fast, man. Like he needs to show up at some point. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're paying him ten million dollars for X number of additional years. You're not doing that for quiet leadership and faceoff capability alone. You know, I mean, he's he's. There's an expectation that comes with being that guy with some understanding that age is, is, you know, gets to the best of us. But yeah, and I think that again comes back to the point that you made that 
you would you would like to see at some point the guys like right now it seems like it's going to be byfield but making that push to be you know to be that top line center and now not only he's not he's not playing for various reasons to even show that but i i just again you you need even if he came in and, and was just <clears throat> right they're gonna put him as third line center they're gonna put him as fourth line center you know what i right. mean like they're not gonna, they're not gonna give him the ice time to show right. that he can actually and, do that and that's okay because if he can be a good contributor then you know then the kings become a matchup problem mm-hmm. in my opinion or even if he's good enough out of the gate well I mean, let's say not out of the game. Next season to push the no down. Right. Like that really opens things up for the team, right? Like that really – now you have to deal with a lot if you're playing the Kings. I, I think right now, you know, yeah, the second line is kind of humming a little bit. But I think you still when – you, when you play the Kings, you're still like, we got to shut down number 11. I think that's, yeah. that's still the name on the board in the locker room. Or that's the line that you got to pay the most attention to. Yeah, and it's becoming easier and easier to do that. That's Clearly. the problem. That's the, King, the problem. And the Kings are winning, but at the same time, like I said, you know how you know Adrian Kempe is still trying to prove that he's a consistent player. Mm-hmm. You know, Brendan Lemieux and the fourth line, like they're doing great things, but should you be relying on them as much as the Kings are right now? No, they have they have Clearly. exceeded all expectations of their play. I don't think anyone would dispute that. So, you know, getting a third line together, that is something more than just three guys skating around, eating up ice time would be nice. And I know that's a harsh criticism, but I couldn't even tell you who's been on the Kings third line all season. I mean, I could, but what I mean is most people probably can't. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't blame them. Because it's been a mishmash of like Rasmus Kupari, Trevor Moore, you know, whoever, and it just hasn't been working. Yeah. For a consistent time. Yeah, and the, and the ideal scenario, and I think what they probably had in their head was that Byfield would start the season as the three C, and then if he was playing offensively well enough, then that line might get more minutes and transform into the two C, and then Deno would would drop to the 3C kind of situation. And then ideally you'd be playing, you know, 19 minutes, 18 minutes, 17 minutes, kind of evenly distributed. But for various reasons that hasn't happened. And again, that comes back to my my question of, do you move some of these guys at the trade deadline or something like that for no other reason than to, to clarify, to clean up this log jam that you have and... So you're not having to do, okay, two games of Leah Sanderson. You know, they've thrown Kupari out there for something like 25 games in a row. And sure, he's working hard. He's doing that. But the productivity hasn't been there. But they keep going back to that well. It's some very confusing situations. And I think some of that requires cleaning up the lineup a little bit, cleaning up your options and being like, this is who we have. These are our guys. Go. <laughs> yeah, confusing is, is, is a good word. I, I've been confused with the Kings this season in general. Mm-hmm. It's been a... It's just at times I just don't know what the big picture here is. Yeah. It's very hard to pinpoint, like, 
you know, so people who cover the team and stuff, they'll say, well, this is year five of Blake's plan, hashtag be patient or some whatever, you know. Because um, hashtag yet, play the kids has come to pass. There's kids playing now. Yeah, well. Play more well, kids? You know, I, just I don't know. All the, all the cliches you could think of, like, Rome wasn't built in a day and all. That's, okay, man, like, this is year, he's going into year five, I believe now, right? I think Blake is, and mm-hmm. can anyone tell me a concrete like, like, what's what's the deal here? Like, what's what are we trying to do? What are the Kings trying to do? Yeah, I'm, I'm very. That's how I felt the season, and that's why I think a lot of my optimism has been kind of sucked out of me. Is because it's like, are we just taking this day by day? Like, just are we taking it one game at a time and just seeing? Hey, if we make the playoffs, great. That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Because it's nice to have that cupboard of prospects, but at some point you have to you have to do something with that. Every year you're getting more prospects. Every year you're you know moving one person for another person and getting more picks or talking about getting more picks. And at some point, something needs to shift. Something needs to 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 create some sort of a clear path as to what you're going to do with all of these resources that you've collected. And also what are you going to do with these older players who you have? And the answer can't be whatever happens, happens. (laughs) Yeah. And I doubt that's, you know, but that's how it feels. That is how it feels. I felt like that when they lost Clegg for nothing, I feel like that now when Velarde is just playing AHL games with no clear, path to return to the nhl he clearly sounds you know disenchanted with where he's at with the franchise it's it's you know it's bad asset management it's bad roster management it's bad future management the one thing that you can always say about dean lombardi is that he had his box and checks and and the whiteboard plan of like how he was going to build and when things were going to happen and I think so far we've gotten step one, which is collecting all the chess pieces, but no one knows what the hell to do with them on the board. That's probably fair. I I think my main issue is even though the Kings are better this year, I don't think anyone can argue that. It still feels like we've been, it's like Groundhog Day for five years Mm -hmm. with with this team. Five seasons of just, well, I shouldn't say that. They had that good first year under Blake. They made the playoffs. They got their, you know. Yeah. Lunch fed to them. (laughs) <laughs> by Vegas. But after that, it just felt very much like the same season for four years. And even though right. now there, you know, you can look and say, just like we did, like, hey, there's an opportunity here to make the playoffs. I worry that even if they make the playoffs this year, like next year could be just another year of like taking right. it at a time. Right. Because next year you would expect that there'll be just as much players stepping back as there would be some potentially stepping forward, right? We're already talking about how Kofi's having kind of a rough year. We're talking about how Brown is getting first-line minutes but isn't putting up first-line numbers. Like, I realize Brown's contract is up, but I fully expect him to resign him at a right. veteran minimum like or something be, like yeah, that. Yeah, like a legacy contract. Yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is, like, what needs to change between this season and next season to go from 
hey, we're incrementally and statistically better to, okay, now, now we're, we're at an actual good team. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. Like who's getting this playoff experience? Yeah. Your defense, your young defenses, right? The Mikey Andersons, the Roy's, if Walker, they'll, they'll get playoff experience, which is great. But who else is really going to get playoff experience? Kaliev? That's all I got. Yeah. Like, who else yeah. is really going to be there and be like, this was an important step for these these kids to... And that feels like the natural progression of a team, especially a team that's rebuilding. Is like, we made the playoffs. These kids got a taste of it. Okay, now let's. they know what it mm-hmm. takes, how hard it is. But there are no kids. <laughs> like, Again, I, I keep coming back to what you made. The point that you made is that if Byfield is not consistently in the lineup, it doesn't feel like it's a it's a true effort. It's a true right. run in any way. Yeah. yeah. He's he's the linchpin of it all. He really is. And I think in a couple of years on the defensive side of things, Brent Clark is the is the linchpin of it all. Like those two guys have to be playing and they have to hit. They have to come out and be exactly what we need them to be for this to truly feel like something has changed and something is progressing. And then Kaliev is kind of on the bubble of being with those guys. And then everything else is second tier, in my opinion. But those guys have to have to be present and they have to be the leaders of it, I think. Right. They certainly have to play a big role. Definitely. Sure, so. Yeah. You can't be doing like 12 minutes a night and be like, this really helped for, for Quentin. Because Byfield's playing 19 plus minutes a night now in the AHL for the second season in a row. Yeah. And he's still very young, but it just feels like that's the next wave for this franchise right. to truly find the success that we all want. Right. All right. All right. We just dissected <laughs> next five years for the Kings. There you go. No podcasts for five years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, around the NHL, anything else that you'd like to talk about aside from the Oilers having absolute meltdowns? Um, sure. Let me just pull up the ye old standings. Rangers cruising. Mm-hmm. Love the Rangers this year. They're a good. Fun to watch. Team, they, Fun to watch. They slapped Tampa around two games in a row. <laughs> Granted, Vassy wasn't playing, but still, that's a two-time defending Stanley Cup winning team. Slapped around. It's it's putting the right coach in with the right roster at the right time, man. I think Gerard was the perfect coach for that team. And they had the right mix of young and old and capable players. And Shosturkin, all world this year. Mm-hmm. He has been absolutely incredible. What a talent they got over there with that kid. So So there's another great example, right? Before his health issues... Lundquist ended his contract with the Rangers and they could have very easily brought him back and given him like a one-year retirement legacy contract thing and they chose not to because they knew that they were going to let Shesterkin be the guy without any any question whatsoever and they let Henrik go and sign a one-year contract with Washington which obviously didn't come to pass because of his health issues but you want to talk about a goalie that fully 
identifies with a franchise, there's there's no better example than Lundquist and the Rangers. And the Rangers made the difficult but understandable move to walk away and not even bring him in as a backup, not not leave any question whatsoever. Full, clean break. This is Shesterkin's crease. Right. That's it. You warming up to the deadline idea? I'm, I'm <laughs> deadline. I don't know, but I off season. I was I was ready to trade him this last off season. I really was. I, I at some point you just have to find the guy and ride the guy. You know, like this is this is it. This is you've you signed Cal to the contract. You've given him every indication that he's going to be your number one. He's not twenty two. He's twenty seven. He's got to be your guy. That's really where I'm at with it. Honestly, that's what it comes down to. Like. Jonathan Quick is like, what can I say? There's, there's, there are enough superlatives I could throw at this guy, like for what he's done, for what he continues to do. But at some point, you have to be willing to turn the page, even if that means, that doesn't necessarily mean, hey, good luck on your future endeavors. You know, that could just be, hey, Quick, you know, we're gonna give this kid the crease. He's gonna have a long leash. He's, he, even if he, you know, throws out a stinker, he's probably going to get the next game yeah unless it's a back-to-back yeah and i'm not saying that's the only time quick plays but i don't know it's just it comes back to like what what's the plan what are we doing where are we going yeah and i i give him him being blake i give management a fair bit of flexibility and because COVID has made things very difficult for them to manage i i completely understand that but Putting that completely aside, there has still been some very confusing moves that have been made by management and coaching that make it very unclear. If it's if it's unclear to me as a as a semi something above a casual fan, I can't imagine it's any clearer to the guys in the locker room who are showing up and trying to play and trying to get roster spots and then being down in Ontario, back up, okay, press box, you know, like Anderson Dolan, you know, like a guy who showed everything possible to be in the lineup last season. And what has he gotten? Like two NHL games this season, if that? Handful at best. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's confusing to me. And I think it sends a bad message to your, to your prospect pool who are doing everything they can to play in the NHL, but then you go out and you, keep signing guys who are veteran equivalents of them instead of just letting them play two games, two games. Yep. Yeah. It's it's weird uh, things that Peterson contract that Vardy was referring to kicks in next season. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Sorry. What else else are we talking? Yeah. NHL talking NHL. Um, Usual suspects good. Pittsburgh's on a nine-game winning streak without Malkin or Carter. Yeah, I hear Evan Rodriguez is doing quite well. <laughs> yeah. Sleeper fantasy pickup for somebody. Mm-hmm. The Islanders are not going to, you know, it's going to be hard to recover from this and make the playoffs. They were absolutely throttled by COVID. Um They've had a rough season, so this might be a, just kind of a wash season for them. And I picked them to win the division, so there you go. Uh, yeah, 
if you look at the the Atlantic, it's Tampa, Florida, Toronto, Boston. Mm-hmm. Exactly who probably everyone kind of picked to be there at this point in the season and probably to end it off. Um, yeah, the Central is a great division. You know, they're going to kill each other to make the playoffs. I don't think there's anything other than Nashville being like 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. I don't see too many big surprises here. Colorado will be fine. I think I expect more from Winnipeg, but they're like 16-11, and 11, so it's not like they, they're terrible. They're just in a <laughs> very difficult division. Um, San Jose gets points regardless. I got to say, Anaheim still probably the biggest surprise for me. Yeah, and they're getting surprise contributions from guys like Troy Terry. Troy Terry having a monumental season. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen any projection whatsoever that had Troy Terry being their leading goal scorer to this extent, like well above career numbers. Yeah. He's having a good year. He's, he's him and Zegras really carrying that team. Mm-hmm. And uh, the flames, they look like they're dialed in. They're going to be a, a tough game every night. You know, yeah, they lost to Florida, but Florida's the best team in the league, in my opinion top to bottom so when they're healthy yeah when they're healthy uh i think calgary will be there in the end so not much to say i mean it's i think we've kind of talked about around the league what's been the surprises already and they've those surprises have now settled into being like a familiar familiar reality for us yeah so we'll see what happens a lot of scoring coming out of Interesting kind of thing I've noticed is coming out of this postponement, the COVID postponement, just mm-hmm. goals in bunches in almost every game. Mm-hmm. There was an 8-7 game, first day back between Arizona and San Jose. I haven't seen an 8 Just wild. <laughs> yeah. 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 Speaking of scoring, I'm sure everyone and their mother has seen the Kale McCarr, overtime winner. The question is, uh, how many times has everyone watched it? <laughs> I I love I love that we're seeing goals like this. I love that we're seeing like the Zegris alley-oop goal, the McCarr goal. I love seeing young guys like that just do embarrassing things. Because you always know that they've had the ability to, but the hierarchy or what have you of the NHL or has always kept them from trying these things, you know? Right, the culture of the game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I, love to see them actually doing stuff like that and breaking angles. It's amazing to me. You know what's great about the Makar goal? So when he does that spin-off right along the boards where the mm-hmm. whole play starts, I think he's spinning off on Kirby Doc. Mm-hmm. The camera guy... <laughs> The camera guy didn't Kept react going. fast enough to the to the spin on the replay. Like you see him just kind of trailing Doc, and and Makar spins out of frame. And the camera <laughs> guy's like, "Oh shit, <laughs> let me go back." It was amazing. It was amazing. And and right when that happened, Kirby Doc was like, "I'm so screwed." Like he didn't even try to go back. What a goal! The placement of the shot, just what a talent this guy is. He's he's. He's going to be the best defenseman in the NHL for so many years. I I thought he's going to win the Norris this year. If you remember our preseason prediction, yeah, 
I think we both predicted that one, if I remember correctly. And he was, that's not a, I think everyone kind of saw it coming. It, it hasn't happened yet, but. Yeah. It's he has just, been a pleasure to watch this season. I think that's what it comes down to is that I, when I do find time to watch games, um, I especially enjoy watching Colorado games because their lineup has so many guys like that, that every night can do something that's worth the price of admission. You know, it's, it's just, I, I, I need guys like that on the Kings, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I need someone that is worth the price of admission on the Kings. And right now it seems like it's Brendan Lemieux, <laughs> which is, which is not a good thing. Yeah. God, God bless him for everything he's been. I think he's had a tremendous season you know some cannibalism aside <laughs> i um, think even brendan lemieux probably goes to the bench and he's like seriously guys like, <laughs> <laughs> i have to do this yeah that's probably what mcclellan does to like chew out the locker room when they're doing badly he's like you got freaking lemieux <laughs> <laughs> boys if, if lemieux is gonna carry us we're in deep shit here boys <laughs> we got problems <laughs> Do you guys want to see Lemieux and Lazat rolling around <laughs> on the ice together? Because that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. That was such a pure celebration. It was it delightful. Was. It such was. a horrible goal for Jones to give up. <laughs> such a great highlight. <laughs> Blake Lazat still can't believe any time the puck goes in the net when he's on the ice. It's still like, for reals? Hey, Did man. The last couple of goals he's had have been... That'd be yeah, great. That Carolina goal was a beauty. Oh, it was a beauty. I love it. I love it. He's just I, I like seeing guys get rewarded for actually, you know, playing well and playing their role appropriately. So all anyway. Right. I got my booster shot today, so I'm all kinds of confused. All right. My body's <laughs> Well, good news for you. Uh this is episode seventy nine. Am I correct on that? I think that I is think correct. I'm right. Okay. The good news is that you only have to pull one name out of the old. How is that brain, good news? Good news is no number 79s. Okay, well, there's just one. Okay. It's fairly recent. But as you would probably imagine, 79 is not exactly a uh, chiseled in stone number <laughs> for, for most the players. The hell you say. <laughs> yeah. I can't even remember a good number 79. Was one of the Markovs number 79? Wasn't Andre Markov seventy nine? It's possible. He would he would have to be the best one. I can't think of another one. Yeah, the other Markov was as good. <laughs> you gotta look this up. Oh, then I'll look it up while you think of the one name. Oh yeah, you got no. This is here. Yeah, I need years. I need all kinds of things here, man. Uh, one year, twenty eighteen. Oh my! That's all you get. Okay. That's all you is need. It, is it one of the guys that Mayor loves? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Not a member of the Mayor All-Star team, as far as I'm aware of. I don't think I want to get this. I mean, there's no reason for me to get this, right? Uh, I mean, other than being very impressive at this game, I guess there's no other reason. There's nothing significant about it, I guess, if that's for sure. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean. There's no reason for me yeah. to remember. No, I don't think so. Great. I don't think so. So just lay it on me. I take okay. the L. All right. So I apologize because I've never been entirely clear if I'm <laughs> supposed to pronounce it one way that, or another. If that doesn't tell you everything okay. you need to know. 
No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Hold on one second. I want to I want to see where he's from originally because that might help me determine how this is supposed to be pronounced. Okay. Justin Auger. Big man Auger. Yeah, I see. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Like if he's he's from Montreal, I. I remember if he was from Montreal, I think it's Auger. I don't know. It is Auger. He had. It's got to be like six seven, right? What was his height? Dead on six seven. I remember him being some kind of. How do you remember how how tall he is, but you don't remember what number he's wearing? Like if you told me Justin Auger, I would certainly remember. I remember playing with the rain. Yeah. Two delightful games as a member of the LA Kings uh, on rock number 79. So our options are we either <laughs> make this the Justin Auger episode or we uh, we the Honorable Andre Markov episode. Uh, I got to go with Andre Markov. <laughs> well, here, here he's are the he's other... A terrific player in his day. So here are the other, here are the other uh, players who apparently uh, more notably have worn the number 79. Um... Alexei Yashin apparently Ooh, wore that's it. That's a good one. But yeah, I don't know how long he wore it for. I think his I think the whole time. Did he really? I really think that was his number. Well, he wore 19 and no no, he wore 19 in Ottawa. Yeah, that's what I thought. So that was his actual number and then probably yeah. on the Islanders he was 79 cuz Trotche retired. Uh it's a good question. Probably that probably that. It's yeah. the Islanders has to yeah. be cuz he can't wear 19. Yeah. Not allowed. Uh and then Michael Ferland. Ferland. Ferland, sorry, Ferland. Player and, that I used to be very high on, actually, but he's been on IR for like it seems like two seasons for Vancouver. Mm. Good player, Michael Ferland. Too bad on the injuries. Yeah, a lot of players like that, unfortunately. So, yeah. And then, uh, and then Carter Hart. Carter Hart. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's still his number. Yeah. He's, he rocks the seventy nine. Probably gonna keep it at this point because yeah, he's, he's committed. He's the number one his... goalie of Philly, so I assume... got masks and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So gotta, there you go. I gotta go with the Markov episode. He's got to be the best number seventy nine to ever play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yashin's Yashin's great years were under nineteen. Yeah, I think uh, for the for the NHL.com poll that they conducted uh, amongst their experts, they they seem to think that Andre Markov had it. So. Congratulations, Andre Markov. This one's for you. I don't know why you'd be listening to an LA Kings podcast, but uh, <laughs> in case you are. If anyone knows Andre. Just pass it on. <laughs> tag us in the tweet, to him, please. Hey, Andre, these guys dedicated their episode to you. That's all we need. Speaking of which, so sad the World Juniors could not continue. I know we didn't discuss it much, but yeah. obviously it got shut down because of COVID. Uh, the, the few games that I got to watch were... A lot of fun. Martin okay. Kromiak was doing well. Sammy Hellenius was doing really well. Um, Brian Clark probably pumping his fists, flipping <laughs> off Canada. Yep. Brian Clark just sipping a Capri Sun in his bedroom and just <laughs> laughing to himself. A lot of well, well, well. And I <laughs> <laughs> um, have the turntables. <laughs> have turned again. <laughs> Except he's probably saying that at 100 miles an hour because he's a, he's a chatty guy. Yeah. But uh, Matvey Michkov looked every bit sensational. Couple weird random goals, but you know what? Goal scorers get those goals, baby. That's is what he, it comes down he, to. Is he projected to be first at this point? Um, not this upcoming year. The following year. The following year. Okay. It's him and Connor Bedard, kind of back and forth. So Connor Bedard had himself a very short tournament, but yeah, 
but that's man that's a that's a nice little one-two punch ain't it it is it's a uh, it's mcdavid eichler's dynamic yeah 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 anyway sad that that didn't happen hopefully it gets rescheduled gets gets to happen sometime in the summer so we get to see more of those guys play all right well thanks everyone thank you for listening i'm gonna i'm gonna take over the sign out on this one because my buddy here looks like he can use some z's <laughs> uh thanks for listening thank you for always for the twitter engagement hope you are enjoying that we thank you for following our numbers are steadily increasing i love to see it it's a lot of fun uh we appreciate any and all feedback uh subscribe vote comment i think we're available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found and if we're not Drop us a line and we will take care of that. Until next time, go Kings, go. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.